For this week's special episode, we are throwing it back to four more podcast guests, focusing specifically on athletes and sports people. Let's hear from these fan-favorite app performers on the unique traits that have helped them be successful in their different areas and what advice they would give now, looking back on their journeys. First up, we have Martin Carafilis. Martin is currently the CEO of Fishburners, which is the largest community of tech startup players in Australia. But if we look back, Martin has been competing in high-performance sports from early on in his life and is now a way that he stays fit and healthy. He's involved in a range of sports like golf, AFL, strength and conditioning, and basketball, while also being a regular at the gym. Let's hear his perspective on being an athlete in the business world. A lot of the early stage founders that we start to see, they might not have the experience. They might not have those case studies. So you have to sort of go back to a personal level and start mm. to say, me personally, if, if I'm being really open and honest here is that I love sport. Sport is a really good example of discipline. I really love the example of people that go to that next level or people that are, you know, have these hobbies and passions where they they just go to this new level. Um, and it's kind of, it sounds a bit counterintuitive to say that the better you are, the harder it gets. And, mm-hmm. and cause everyone thinks that the higher performer you are, the easier everything is, right? But actually what happens is you get this whole new level of expectation. Mm. So this stress, this pressure starts to build. If you're doing well, you go to a board meeting and the board members say, how do we keep doing this better? Mm. They don't say, that's awesome. Yeah, Just do that. That's enough. <laughs> so it actually builds, and, and there's kind of this, this saying of success breeds success, but the better you're getting, the harder things get. So you, know, you start to you start to think of things like sport and you start to think of these things is what are people doing to get that extra 1%? How are people, how are people so disciplined to say, I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to keep moving in the right direction. Mm. So, um, I, I, I try to find examples, particularly in the earlier stages in founders that are within their life, you know, within how they operate as people, Mm. not just in the business. I, I think there's a, there's a true reality there that any business can hire expertise. Yes. You can hire a great financial advisor. You can hire an absolute gun programmer or engineer. But if you don't have those interpersonal skills or the ability to actually lead and the ability to have that discipline, make those big calls, that you're just never going to be successful in what you do. I grew up from, from the youngest of ages playing elite sport. And I always grew up in this area that the best survive, the rest don't. And there was this performance-driven mentality of be the best at all given stages. And I think even to a certain extent, you could have really good coaches, you could have really good support, and you could have all these different things, but it all came down to the individuals. And I think I probably personally took this into how I run business and and I always I always came in with the high high performance mindset it was always how do we have the talent that are, have that mindset apply for our roles how do we keep them and how do we make them even better now I think when when you're in that process I think I was probably a bit harsh mm. I think that, you know, there were, there were periods where uh, I, I was brutal, cutthroat. I think it's one of those areas where under some circumstances it, it may 
it may have been different if I could have been a little bit softer. Um, and, and, you know, there's been points where I've, I've hired people on the Monday and I've fired them on the Friday. I've had those processes where I think at the time, I think it was right. I think if I reflect on some of those, those moments, I think it called for it. And I think there was a transparency that's there. Mm. I think that probably comes back to how do you get them to apply and how do you get them to stay Mm. those high performing individuals? It comes to really that transparency. Mm. Hey guys, you know, it's, it's no different to what are your expectations to work 16 hours a day or eight hours a day? You know, if you're an employer or if you're a founder, or if you're someone's there and you set those expectations and transparency well, well, well before anyone even applies for a role, people, some people want that. Yeah. Some people love that. They thrive in that. And that's, that's the culture that you're setting up. And I've always lived in that space. And as I've sort of just got to see more teams and I've got to experience more with investors and I've got to work with different people, I've really started to see the idea of, hey, you know what? You know, not everyone is perfect from from the get-go. And I think the process of coming into organizations where I haven't been able to set the culture up from the start, I've had to give people chances. Mm. I've had to enable people to say, you know, here's your targets. Here's all the support in the world. The rest is up to you. And giving that time when you're in a startup and and this is why I say, I think at the time, everything was still correct. You don't have, you don't have time. Time's not your friend. You don't have the ability to test that out. It, It either works or it doesn't work. Now, I think there's probably a few things culturally that you can set up to allow that time to work. Mm -hmm. And that's probably something that I've learned along the way of, hey, how do I become a better leader when it comes to hiring and and bringing on people that may not be experienced, that may have a little bit to learn, that maybe they do need to be molded into something that's, uh, you know, more effective for the business or even on a personal level is how do they manage some of their processes? Mm So, um, yeah, I think just becoming a little bit, a little bit more well-rounded around that, that process. Um, I still stick by the, the, you know, high performing mindset. I still stick by the idea that, um, you know, people, people need to be performing absolutely above the competitors because, um, when you think about how you win, you, you need to be better. You need to be better than anyone else that's out there. And, um, it's just about enabling that time. And, and as a leader, how do you create time is really important. And I guess in that you, you do go through maturity phases too, right? Going back to your point, it's like, well, at the start, we have to have a certain type of rhythm that allows us to move and we have to be fast. Yeah. Um, because the, the run, the, the time and money is just, uh, they're a limited resource. Um, and I suppose once you start to, um, break through that with your customer base and you're, 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 you've got a runway of, of, of description that actually can help you function differently. When you go through that, then you've got a different, you can change temperature and you can change tone. Do you, do you find that um, owner, founders, leaders, um, that, that they might function really well at certain stages of the, the journey? Yeah. I, this is, this is all people in a business, right? It's, 
it's interesting. Some founders are really good at the earliest stages, the real scrappy stages. Mm-hmm. Some are great at scaling and being right on the other end. Mm-hmm. And employees are the same. Uh, you know, when you start to bring in process, procedure, all of that kind of stuff, it's like some people just don't work. To that. Create a cage around the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the thing. When you look at your business, it has to evolve over time. Mm. And this is this is very difficult as a founder. There's two things you have to do is you have to think about yourself during those phases. Are you the right person during those phases? And then secondly is are our employees the right employees? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really hard time and, and I genuinely believe that not all of your employees are the right employees for each phase of your business. And secondly, we have Belinda Clark. Belinda is a former cricketer and sports administrator. She is a right-handed batter. She served as the captain of the national women's team for 11 years and was a member of the triumphant World Cup campaigns in 1997 and 2005. Let's hear some of her advice and experience. What's your observation of goal setting? Yeah, this is alignment around goals. You talked about alignment a few times now. What's, what's the relationship between getting that conversation really well aligned to the actual purpose that we're really here for, not these sort of side stories that seem to whirl in from time to time. Yeah, I think um I think it's much harder in a you know in a business context to do that because the other thing, uh, whilst the goal is clearer in a sporting context, it's also there's a moment in time where you will be measured. Um, and it's not like a performance review where you can fluff your way through and you know, convince someone you did something that whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Your result will be on a scorecard on this day. Um, and so will your teammate and your teammate and your teammate. So that's it's sort of like a really clear moment in time. And then you just finish that one, you go into the next one, you go into the next one. So there's this just a nice rhythm of like, when is exam day? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just far gets, less subjective, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Whereas in business, I felt when I was working inside um, the cricket organizations, you did have some moments in, in time where those big things were measured and clear whether or not you achieve something or not. But there's a lot of the process stuff that gets left behind that doesn't get managed or monitored. Um, and so you don't have any, don't have many feelers along the way to say, are we heading in the right direction? Have we, you know, I would constantly be asking um, my team at work, um, are we winning today? Like today, right now, are we winning? And blank, blank looks because it's like, well, of course, because we don't count we don't understand who's playing the game because of the way the systems are set up until the end of the season. That's really hard then to, did that thing I did work or not work? And so um, I'm big on sort of setting up learning environments so that you're constantly finding stuff and then, okay, should we act or should we not act? Or how, how is this impacting us? Um, what's it, what information is possible? Um, what's an example? Um, are we talking to the people that sell cricket equipment about whether they're having a bonzi year or whether no one's buying cricket bats? No. Well, why not? Because they they are getting a data point that would be really getting helpful. getting a far earlier data point than yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So this is at or a time before we had sort of yeah. online registration of, of, of kids, which um, has really started to take hold now and, and again, a bit of pushback on that system coming in. But um, it, knowing, knowing your goals, um, not only the end point, but what are the things I need to do in order to get there uh, in – a working sense was a lot harder to do than in a cricket sense or an on-field perspective. Mm. So if you think about the ingredients of that you noticed in in the team context off the field, um, yeah. 
you know, they're a nice thing. It's like, we, we want a learning culture. We want this discussion. We want to create this safety. And, and you know, yep. it sounded like you, you were trying to do that, particularly in the circle of control you yep. had. And then you've got this underpinning kind of governance or data or structure that needs to exist in order to have something that provides some direction for everyone, right? Um, if you think about the ingredients, was it more of the the lacking of infrastructure in your case? What, what, what was, uh, from what a, was missing? From a work perspective? Yeah, from um, a work perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think um, deeply understanding what works in order to get the outcome we're looking for. Mm. So there was constant eyes going to the outcome and it either not being clear or not possible to measure it yet, mm-hmm. which means that people then take liberties at times to start spinning off other stuff. And in the end, you get very broad on what you're doing because because I can't can't measure that till later. Yeah. So I'm going to do this other stuff that I think might help, but they don't set up they're not setting up the measurement systems to see is this working or not working. So there's lots of ideas, no shortage of stuff being done, but no idea what worked or didn't work. And I think one of the key things is being able to answer that question. Am I, am I getting closer to my goal today or not? Is what I'm doing helping? Is it making me a better blah, blah, or blah? And if the answer is not clear, then humans will go off and dream up more stuff. Yeah. And so you end yeah. up with a team doing all sorts of stuff and sport is not short of good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's short of process and discipline um, to actually understand seek to understand what is it that's driving this outcome. It's interesting you say that sport's not, not you know, um, you know, short of good ideas and probably not short of passion. You know, I, I think there's some organisations I've seen that are um, very, very good at, um, you know, structure and process and you know, probably lack the passion. But there's not a shortage of it. Lots of organisations that have really you know, connected people that are there for a purpose, trying to do great things. You know, when you look at that passion, it is quite unique in sport. You get a lot of people very tapped into um, wanting to do great things. Do you think that's an advantage or a disadvantage? I think it's an advantage if you can harness it. <laughs> so if if you can find the three or four people that think that they're actually thinking about that problem over there and join them together and say, okay, spin something up and test it. Um, and and come back with so giving them permission to explore, but doing it in a way that's above board and a conscious decision to say, yep, that we think as a collective that that's a good idea to pursue. Go and pursue it. But what would it look like? What would you be coming back with in six months or twelve months or whatever to say that what we did has got a method and some evidence to suggest that works? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's difficult when. If you think about community sports, some of those things that are going to come true are, you know, 10 years down the track. So what are we what are we doing with Indigenous communities as an example? What are we doing with Indigenous communities right today that's actually going to allow um, the sport to grow and for those people to experience sport in uh, cricket in a really positive way? Yeah, what are the, what are the lead indicators that te- tell us we're going yeah. in the right direction, knowing that we're a long yeah. way from the vision yeah. that we might have? So we would have a, a board that is asking what are the lead indicators that are telling us that what you're doing is working? And the reality is that we didn't have any lead indicators in place because we hadn't done the thinking to say, what would this look like? Or the lead indicators are so fluffy that people didn't believe them. Um, So they're they're the challenges of, um, you know, creative people who are wanting to do great things. Um, Also, you don't need to bind their hands so they can't be creative, but you do need to, I think, encourage them to be working together and, and thinking about, 
what are you bringing back to me as the case for change here? Um, and if they've got that in their minds, they go off and be as creative as they like. But it's got to be useful. Otherwise, what you end up doing is trying to be all things to all people and you end up with no no coherent sort of strategy. And then when the big number falls over at the top, did we have more people playing cricket this year or not? And if the answer is no, it's like, oh, why not? Well, it's because we did all we were busy doing all this other stuff. So there's a there's a balance between innovation and also then delivery and making sure that the innovation's got some output that's going to be useful. You're preaching to the converter with me. <laughs> I I mean, I I love what you're talking about. I think some, you know, who haven't experienced that may find that, um, you know, rigor and structure can be limiting and feel really abrasive, but it's, um, if it's done well, if it's introduced well, and, and it's, and we're, we're able to help people see the value of that and be okay with those measures, regardless of whether we're off track or on track, but just yeah. see that as a data point in a point of time so that we can, we can almost be like a GPS to bring us back on track. It's very powerful when it's done well. Yeah. And they, that, you don't need to give them the measures. That's part of the creative work here is all I'm asking is that you think about what this would look like if it was working. Mm as part of your solution or your creativity. Like, so I'd, I'm not going to tell you what the outcome needs to be, but you need to think about that before you start. Otherwise, it, we're just going to end up with lots of stuff going on. Next up is Trevor Hendy. Trevor is the six-time Australian Open Ironman champion, and he's a life coach, mentor, author, and holistic personal trainer. Let's hear some of his thoughts and guidance on reaching your goals and pushing forward. Um, so something about the inspiration of the whole thing was teaching a group of people to see whatever we were doing, they were feeling in themselves and going, oh, I want to be like that because we are. That's what whatever we were tapping into in those moments of like great sporting moments, that energy doesn't belong to me. That energy belongs to every human being. Every human being has that capability exactly. in a different field or whatever it is. So uh, the... What's been coming up a lot this week is um, even just sat there, had a really incredible experience with a few friends and we're just sort of up in an off-grid property, just sitting around basically meditating, breathing, contemplating some stuff. We do some workshops up at this property. And it became really clear to me that every single subject has a full spectrum to it. So, you know, the spectrum, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Well, red and violet are back pretty close to each other. Yeah. So when you go all the way around, it's easy to get from violet back to red. And it's the same thing. It's that that when I looked at it, it was, it's super inspiring. Hang on, it was built on darkness, you know. Um, uh, we we're having a lot of fun, but oh, some of that fun was actually hiding certain things. Hang on, we were, oh, we were cutting corners and cutting other people off and I've become like that guy, you know. And as you go all the way around it, and it, it keeps sort of revealing the light and the dark of it all the way around the spectrum, the, the shadow of it plus also what was inspiring. So I don't look back at it like, oh, God, I was a complete egotistical idiot. And I don't look back at it like going, Oh, weren't we, weren't we kings? I look back at it and go, wow, what a fascinating experience to understand what power can feel like at a certain level of awareness. Yeah. So yeah. it became very powerful and influential at a certain level of inf a certain level of awareness. But that power and influence is very much um within that construct that's in the world of looking good, not looking good. So as I said right at the start, I wasn't looking very good and all of a sudden I'm the one looking good. So everyone listens to the guy that's looking good. You know, everyone wants to be next to that guy. And yeah. I was on, um, I was like a wide water sports feature and I remember Mike Gibson saying, he's the guy that every guy wants to be like and every girl wants to be with. And I remember thinking, 
that was a decision I made at some stage. You know? <laughs> like, he, he's saying that on national TV. It's going through your head. But actually when I was 15, I remember thinking, I need to be that guy that every guy wants to be next to and every girl wants to be with, you know. So power and influence, but from a place of, um, you know, more like shadow and more like a, there's some unconsciousness and unawareness in there because you can use it in ways that manipulate to get what you want. You know, so you start actually... I was always on the free drink cards and, you know, and so it was everybody that was in my vicinity and, you know, so then there was girls and then there was this in, these interactions and this interaction and everything else. And it was, so it was like the same time I'm the guy that's speaking at the, after the function on behalf of the sponsor and thanking everyone for being there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm, I'm the guy doing that. And then at the nightclub, I'm the one going, yeah, let's go, you know, <laughs> so, um, so it was a very fascinating experience to, to finish that and then clean up the mess because if you, um, you know, that something's got to give, you know, at some point something's got to give. So at the point at which I've gone through a marriage breakup, you know, at a young age, I'm married at 19 with Jackie and, and by 26 I'm divorced, you know, and I'm bankrupt not long after that, you know, trying to sort it all out. So I went through this, I went through the full win and I went through the full shadow of the loss of the whole thing. And in, in reconciling that, um, it doesn't get reconciled in the, in the intellect because that's the, you know, I love the Einstein quote that's something along the lines of it cannot solve a problem on the same level of mind that it was created or level of consciousness. So I couldn't reconcile that thing and become more my true self and my full self, you know, whole self that's more attentive to people and loves making a difference. I couldn't become that self without reconciling it and I couldn't reconcile it without shifting a level of consciousness. So I had to recognize that I was in a, a win at all cost mentality and a win at all cost state. So as long as I was in that state, everything was filtered through you're either friend or foe. Yeah. So I've either got to cut you off or support you. Yeah. You know, and if you're a friend, but I've got to race you later, I'll support you. But when race time, I'll cut you off. So it becomes blurred. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I'll do it as nicely as I can. You know, so because it's an art form to do it nicely. Yeah. So you're yeah. still liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're an yeah, actual yeah. asshole because yeah, yeah. Inside you've going, got, you, you no, work I, the system out, yeah, right? You, you kind of well, you teach yourself that system, don't you? Yeah, because win at all costs means for me the cost was I'll be I'll be unattractive again. Uh, no one will want to be with me. So it's life and death. You know, socially life and death, and this is all unconscious to me at the time but as I became conscious of it I was like oh a lot of my motivation was to not feel the pain of feeling like a nothing or a nobody so the only way through it was to actually go oh it's time to actually go back and feel that original pain so I had to feel it to heal it which is what I do with clients that I work with these days so I only got two rules for you we've got to feel it to heal it you know and then once you've felt it something's going to rise in your awareness and you need to see that to free it. So you need to feel it to heal it and see it to free it. And so that's what I got led through that process with some really beautiful people. When the student's ready, the teacher appears or the teaching and had the right coach at the right time and the right this at the right time and then the right person at the right time to say, no, when you know, how are you going? I'm good. No, you're not. You know, you're not. You've got a whole lot of shit you haven't dealt with. And so I had the right person to hold my hand and say, no, come back back at this place that you don't let anybody see, actually you've got a whole lot of skeletons in that closet. And so cleaned all that out and, and got honest and, you know, had honest communications with my ex-wife and my wife and my new wife, you know, first wife and second wife and kids and family. But most importantly, honest conversations with myself, yeah. you know, about, okay, who am I really? And when I when Red, Orange, Yellow grew 
green, blue, indigo, violet came all the way back around and close to red, it was back where I started with my dad. It was connection to country. It was deep, earthy, rooty, you know, like feeling one with nature. And it was like, oh, that's who I really am. Everything else was created because I didn't feel good enough when I was in that state. You know, because what does that get you? You know, so eventually it shifted from win at all costs to win on all levels. And I, I began to become aware that um, actually my heart is the biggest part of this equation, not my brain. Yeah. You know, I was very smart. I could do things very intelligently. Yeah. And I was like I was um, cunning as well, yeah. particularly in racing and everything else. But but in everything, I was like, mm, I was very astute in how to make the game work on my behalf. But um, but if that feeds a whole version of self that always gets what it wants. So I was always getting what I wanted through that avenue, which is why you keep feeding it because, like, this feels good until something happens to break it apart. Well, well, this is what I wanted to ask you about. It's, you know, a lot of the listeners for this podcast, they could come from all walks of life, but, you know, we work a lot with business owners and people that are, by definition, in these sort of high-risk environments that mm. if it goes wrong, then it's not really good. Yeah. But they're chasing something out of it. And, you know, usually there's something purposeful. Usually there's yep. something, a story inside them and there's, there's some sort of outcome. But, you know, when it's when you're in that chasing mode and you're in that achievement mode, it's it's very hard to step away, right, and, and look at that because you're in that zone. Yeah. I've seen this happen with so many people, right? It's like I'm, I just... And then all of a sudden there's a trauma of some description that, that allows you to sort of shake your paradigm and, and come back and go, all right, let's, I've, got to, I've got to look at this differently now. Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't wake up naturally, something will shunt you into waking up. Well, yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk about in terms of your work with um, people you coach and support and just observations you have around that realisation. Like I'd like to sort of go in and look at some of the process you take people through and just the way you think about you know, that being yourself, right, or, or becoming your best self. You know, when you when you look at the average person that says, hey, Trev, can you work with me? Is that a self-selection, you know, I'm on the right path and I think I need, I've got more in me or is there a tr something traumatic driving it or is it a combination? What do you notice mm. in people? Yeah, so much in that yeah, whole thing, big question, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, firstly, um, so the mind, if, if we broke a lot of what we're going to talk about down today, because it'll keep coming back, is body, mind, and soul. Yeah. So at a, at a using terms, that let's not throw it up against science. Let's just, you know, it's just a term that I use, but third, fourth, and fifth dimension. So a third dimensional level, we've got a body. At a fourth dimensional level or fourth density level, we've got a mind. And the mind is harder to recognize than the body. We can tap the body and go, there it is. That's me. And then after a while you go, hang on, but I'm thinking, you know, so is that me, you know, so who's doing the thinking? So the mind's harder to tap. We can tap, point to our brain, but we can't really point to our mind as such because sometimes it feels like our thoughts are out here or over here or up here or whatever, you know, um, or they're just blocked in a hole or something like that. So so the mind's an interesting thing, but I call it the fourth dimension where, where we introduce time. And so things become good, but they have duality, so they become good or bad. They become right or wrong. Yeah. Um, they become win or lose, hot or cold, rich or poor, um, fat or skinny, dumb or smart, um, success or failure, slow or fast. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much this or that. And because it's this or that, it boils down to good enough or not good enough or acceptable or unacceptable. So we've got this internal dialogue going on all the time. So imagine us as, as some sort of an intelligent being that, is filtering everything through our thoughts, but our thoughts are actually putting everything into one category or the other. So it's always duality. 
So even when you ask the question, you say, is it this or is it that? And it's like, because that's what the, we do in our mind. Yeah. Well, actually, it's all, all of it's that. It's a combination. Yeah. It's a combination yeah. of that. Yeah. Some, some it's mostly that, some it's mostly that. And finally, we have Rhiannon Ifland. Rhiannon is an Australian six times Red Bull cliff diving champion, and she's an extraordinary athlete who has some amazing achievements. Let's hear some of her advice on reaching these goals and these achievements. You know, and I had this conversation just with a young fellow at a school the other day, and he came up to me and said, yeah, how do I become successful? Just like really big questions. Mate. That's a huge That's question. That's a big question. And, you know, when people look at you, and I'm sure you have this, you'll have you know, days where you're connecting with fans and talking to people. What are some of the big questions that young aspiring athletes or just young people in general are, are talking to you about? Yeah, um, look, it's I I try to always keep myself on the same level as them. Yeah. Um, especially like at the pool now. Uh, I spoke the other day with like a group of young divers that are just coming in, and it was it was weird for me to sit there and and think that that was me in there in that seat, like yeah. that very exact seat in the same diving program like 15 years ago. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just around like dealing with with fear and um, what I what I do like to tell them is like this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. Like enjoy the journey or otherwise because I've been through it, I've been burnt out, I've I've given up and then come back and that's where I found what I would call my success because mm. it was when I started to actually enjoy the sport and it's when I started to actually like connect with it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think it's like. Yeah, those are the main things that that I would uh, that I get asked. So like, how do you deal with the fear? How do, how how are you going up there and not scared? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, reasonable question though, isn't yeah. it? But yeah, there's, a, there's an interesting thing with fear in, in any case is that you almost have to push through whatever it is that that through your own experience, and your own narrative. Mm -hmm. like, you can't really tell someone not to be afraid. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not impossible. fair, is it? No, it's not fair, and it's it's not it's not possible. No. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're, if I was with you and we went, you said, look, Brad, let's do your first big dive. Like we're going yeah. through somewhere that's where. Like, what would be a good challenge for an amateur? <laughs> as in, just to jump off, give me something challenging. As in, like a, a height or a, a height place? or a place or where well, would what should I do? It's like you don't run ten k's before you run one. You know. Yeah. So start yeah. at start at the bottom. Yeah. But uh, I guess a challenge would. <laughs> Depends on the individual, yeah, really. Yeah. You probably haven't seen me jump if off it, <laughs> If it were you, I would probably say, you know, you'd be right with 10 metres or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then we'll just we'll work through it. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I might I might take you up on that. Um, no, there's something about it that seems exhilarating, right? It it's is. Just, it just is. an amazing rush. It is, yeah. 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 So, Rihanna, we talked before about, you know, I set a target of 11 for you, which is quite unfair. <laughs> but, you know, what's the legacy that you want to leave, right? If you if you look back in in your life and and you think about this sport, but you think about just your life in general, what's important to you? Um, I don't know. I think like most of all, like being a good sport and being a good person, like mm -hmm. and you know just being known as somebody that enjoyed what they did. Like I don't know if I think about it from my point of view, like I don't want to get five to 10 years down the track and be like, I achieved so much, like so many medals and so many titles, but I didn't enjoy any of it. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I don't know if that sounds strange that that's where my priority is at, but um, yeah, I guess that's the legacy that I want to leave. And I think at the moment it's like the one that explored, explored 
the possibilities of diving locations, you know, diving from a hot air balloon um, or a helicopter or in Antarctica, you know. Yeah. I think think that that's it. Can you give us a hint on any of those? The next projects? Yeah. I'm not sure. I, um, I, I promise I would let you in on a hint, but. There's only a couple of ideas at the moment, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure which one will come next. And do, do you have a project team? Is there like you know some people from Red Bull and people, yeah, 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 they've got choppers that take you to these spots? Is that sort of part of the whole? <laughs> yeah, it's like a big mission. Yep, yep. It's a it's a recce, full recce usually, um, location checks, figuring out what's what, and uh, it, it usually takes a few months. Like with the balloon, the hot air balloon project, like that one took took a while. We attempted it once, and the weather didn't the weather wasn't on our side so we had to go back and try it again but you know it all kind of starts it's it, it, the idea could come from anyone i mean that one came from me sitting there while stuck in the isolation in covid and uh i was i saw a couple of videos or a picture of a hot air balloon i sent a whatsapp message to one of the the team at red bull australia and said hey it would be really cool to die from a moving hot air balloon and then yeah from that moment on it uh it, it became it, a reality. It, it, yeah. yeah. Wow. Ideas yeah. just come up like that. And then yep. yeah. maybe you could do like a fan request. A fan Ask, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, like an Instagram poll yeah, or something. Yeah. What do you guys reckon? Give us me some ideas. Yeah. There's got to be some really cool ones that could come up. I don't know if I have any right now. <laughs> there's there's, there's got to be some. So, but the hot air balloon is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how high can we go? Like 20, 27? Like what's the limit? Yeah, we could go 25. 25? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's the next goal. I don't know. Have I just committed to something that 